Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up and happy Monday. Yes, this is Let's Go There. I'm Shira. And guess what? Ryan Mitchell is here in studio in the flesh. I'm back. Let's go there. Let's go and Ryan. You know what? Channel so much Q. life um, has just gone by. I feel like this month is just going by really quickly. It, Pride Month is right around the corner. It is. Um, I missed everyone, but I heard you held down the show very oh, wonderfully. Yeah. Held it down. Held it down. With Watch out. Someone who had the exact same name as I me. Know, that was How strange. weird is that? And I kept on having to say, whose idea Ryan was that? <laughs> the universe. <laughs> But shout out to Ryan Basham. He was incredible. Yes, he's really good. But no, I I, literally, I was traveling all last week and then I moved into my new space. Um, I'm in love with it and just happy to get it over with. You know, I unpacked my entire living room. I just have my bedroom that I have to finish packing, uh, unpacking. That's impressive. Yeah, I I had to do it because, you know. Yeah, if you don't get it done, you're in that mode. Yeah, yeah. And my movers were so hot. Oh, really? Oh, they were so hot. And then my task rabbit this morning was so hot. Like Look at you. Hotness all around you. Oh, there's just delicious men everywhere. Maybe you should ask for some numbers in the future. No, they were straight men. Ew. How do you know? That's an assumption. I could tell. You never know. Most definitely could tell. <laughs> so you need there needs to be an app for like uh, if you're just someone a, that like a I actually I need to put an alarm over my door so when anyone walks in it just says gay. That'd be amazing. And if it doesn't make a noise, it, they're just straight. Okay, you know? I like that. You should create that. I'm Maybe. sure that would not cause any issues. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Gay profiling. Literally. <laughs> All right. Lots coming up on the show. Of course, we had some really uh, tragic news over the weekend with these shootings in Buffalo and even in Orange County here in California. We're going to be talking more about that uh, coming uh, or bringing you details on the show as well as the mental health side of all of this when this thing, when stuff like this happens, really how it impacts all of us and how we could navigate that. Dr. Alfie, who you might have recently seen on uh, Red Table Talk, she'll be joining us. Her episode aired? She's been in and out. It's hard to know if the episode aired. I just keep seeing teases around yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, uh, but of course. She seems to be like a mainstay there. And also she was on uh, the Grandmother's podcast. Yes. Anyway, she's joining us at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. And uh, we are also going to be talking about Asian Americans and how they are claiming the great outdoors right now. Of course, it's still AAPI Heritage Month. That's also later this show. Uh, but first, let's get into some what's trending this hour because it was a big day at the White House today. Karine Jean-Pierre gave her first press briefing as White House press secretary. 
I am obviously acutely aware uh, that my presence at this podium uh, represents a few firsts. Uh, I am a black gay immigrant woman, the first of all three of those to hold this position. I would not be here today if it were not for generations of barriers, barrier-breaking people before me. I stand on their shoulders. If, if it were not for generations of barrier-breaking barrier people before me, I would not be here. But um, I benefit from their sacrifices, I have learned from their ex ex excellence, and I am forever grateful to them. Representation. Well, a big shout out to Corrine Jean-Pierre doing great work right now. And yes, as she said, uh, which you, you kind of didn't hear on the clip, like representation does matter. I um, mean, there will be so many other young people that look up to her and what she's up to definitely and realize that they could do it too because of her. I mean, I think we need her there at such a particular time in history oh, yeah, that right too. now um, with everything going on in Buffalo and um, just the state of the world. I yep. think we need someone like her there. Well, yes, uh, that is for sure. And let's move on to what is happening right now. Uh, first, unfortunately, in Orange County, one person was killed. Five others were inju injured in a shooting at this church in Laguna Woods, California, yesterday. The Orange County Sheriff's Department is sharing that they have detained the suspect who was taken into custody. And they also said, because it was a Taiwanese church, they say that it was a politically motivated hate incident. But then moving on to Buffalo, uh, there was a man that has been accused of killing 10 people in a racist mass shooting. And that happened Saturday in Buffalo, New York at a supermarket. And they actually say that he had plans to continue his shooting rampage and kill more black people, according to authorities today. Buffalo, Buffalo Police Commissioner Joseph Gramaglia said there was evidence that was uncovered that he had plans. Had he gotten out of here to continue his rampage and continue shooting people he'd even spoken about possibly going to another store which is just so frightening um, and we're going to get into also more on what is being called uh it's like this replacement theory that the right has been bringing up a lot including outlets like fox news and that's um later on in like in 30 minutes so it's really scary what's happening and very worrisome considering the narrative as well. But that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Yeah, so let's talk entertainment news. Uh, Wanda Sykes is still, quote, traumatized over Will Smith's slap. She's still talking about it, like literally in a recent interview. It's time for the T-Report. Oh, okay. Those pop culture stories trending right now. You know, Hollywood may be moving on from Will Smith's spectacular slap of Chris Rock at the Oscars, but Wanda Sykes isn't forgiving or forgetting. Um, basically, the comedian... Uh, says she is still traumatized almost two months on from the incident. She made the admission in a new interview with People Magazine, adding that she was appalled the actor wasn't booted from the theater after the act. Um, she stated this, I can't talk about it. I get emotional. I couldn't believe he was still sitting there like an a-hole. Shouldn't you be uh, sitting there with a lawyer or LAPMFer? Oh, my God. She said, I hope he gets his crap together until then. F him. Is it that serious? Like, relax. Go read a book. If you are that traumatized, talk to your therapist about it, not People Magazine. You're so annoying. <laughs> oh, my God. That's your T-Report. I'm sick of talking about it. <sighs> did you miss me? Uh, yeah, no, I did. I did miss you. I did. Uh, well, thank you for that, T. Uh, coming up next, what we know about the victims of the Buffalo grocery store shooting next with The Washington Post. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, 10 people were killed and three were injured at a Buffalo, New York grocery store on Saturday. Authorities have described the shooting as a hate crime and a racially motivated violent extremism. They're also exploring a possible domestic terrorism charge. 11 of the 13 people shot were also black. Uh, The suspect is 18-year-old Peyton Gedron, who published an online document filled now we are finding this with racist, anti-Semitic and white supremacist beliefs. And they, he also detailed plans for the attack, including the attempt to target a predominantly black neighborhood. And he has actually pleaded not guilty to a charge of first degree murder. Uh, and now joining us right now is Jacob Bogage from The Washington Post, who's actually in front of the grocery store right now on the scene in Buffalo, New York. How's it going there? Uh, what's been going on? I mean, I'm sure you've been very busy, unfortunately, since this happened. Yeah, I have, and, and thanks for having me on while I'm here. I, it's the scene is intense here. There's a lot of sorrow and grief, of course, but there's also a lot of anger uh, that you know this is the predominantly black area of Buffalo. This is East Buffalo, and it is that way because of decades of uh, racial-based redlining that confined the city's black community to these neighborhoods. Um, this tops friendly market grocery store is the only grocery store on this part of town. It is the only pharmacy on this part of town. Um, So this is having a a real lasting impact. I am standing right now uh, right outside the grocery store and to make up for, you know, the the food that folks can't buy. There are, you know, uh, nonprofit groups that have set up, you know, a barbecue and like free groceries to pick up. Um, There are, Folks who have been standing vigil here uh, since Saturday night when I got here um, with candles and flowers and balloons and kind of the accoutrement that we have come to expect out of mass shooting vigils in this country because they are all too common uh, and they are preventable. Um, An expanding radius of streets around this grocery store have been blocked off. Uh, There have been threats made against local businesses here today invoking that shooting so law enforcement is stepping up uh their presence here Uh, and also the president of the united states is supposed to visit here tomorrow to meet with families uh and i I was able to speak with some of them and and their attorneys uh today and they are hoping to press uh the president for federal hate crime legislation hate crime charges uh against the suspect um and so yeah i mean it's uh it's a really intense scene it's one that is at once familiar because mass shootings are a weekly, if not daily event in this yeah. country, but also very unfamiliar because it's the first large race-based act of violence since uh, the massacre at uh, Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston in 2015. So uh, that's kind of the scene where I'm standing right now, guys. Wow. Um, I, I know there were also some survivors of people who actually worked at the grocery store that they were the only ones that survived. Have you heard from them? Have you seen them on the scene? What do we know more about the victims, unfortunately? Yeah. So I, uh, in terms of survivors, I, I talked yesterday to a woman named Julie Harwell, and she was at the grocery store. To, yesterday was actually her birthday. She was at the grocery store on, on Saturday picking up uh, stuff for a barbecue for her birthday. And she was on one side of the store getting hamburgers and hot dogs, and her daughter, her eight-year-old daughter and her partner were on the other side of the store uh, getting a birthday cake mix. 
Um, and then the shooting started and they were separated for about 25 minutes where, you know, the, the dad and, and her daughter, London hid in the milk coolers. Um, Julie ran down an aisle and, uh, the shooter came up behind her in that aisle. There was another shopper in that aisle with her and Julie kept running. This other shopper lunged at the gunman and, and she was shot and we're still working to identify who that person was. Wow. Um, but that's the reason that I was able to talk with Julie Harwell on Sunday because uh, she had time to escape and, and this other woman did not. Uh, I talked to Kashanti Atkinson, who was a cashier, and um, you know, so she is in her checkout line, kind of facing the front door as this gunman blasts through the windows. And the easy, the nearest way for her to get out of that store is the front doors, which are now blocked. So she sprints through the store to a conference room near her manager's office where coworkers were inside barricading the door shut. Um, and then she's waiting there. Her uh, 20-month-old baby and her boyfriend were supposed to come meet her uh, and, and pick up groceries and say hello to her. And she reaches down and realizes she doesn't have her phone. She can't tell them not to come. Uh, and, they, and they never did. They were going to come later in the afternoon. But uh, she can't tell them, don't show up, something's happened. Um, and she has to flag down women coming home from church choir rehearsal to give her a ride home. Yeah. I talked to a, a, a pastor today, Reverend uh, uh, Julian Cook, who, you know, he was at the reunification center where families were finding out the fates of their loved ones. And he ends up being the guy transporting survivors back to the grocery store from a nearby school wow. so they can get their cars and drive home. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of... The, you, you, we have talked about this in, in different contexts before, but you all know this well, that there is generational trauma in, in black yeah. communities in this country, and this only adds to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know what you say in terms of where we go from here, but what are people saying they're on the ground? What are authorities saying in the community? Yeah, where we go from here. Um, this is, there's been an interesting thread to kind of talk about here, and I've heard it from a number of folks, including uh, Pastor Cook, who I literally, I just left his church uh, speaking with him. And, you know, this was a, a shooter who allegedly um, came from, I mean, he's pled not guilty, but he's also posted an online manifesto saying he was going to do just this. And there are yeah. multiple, multiple, multiple eyewitnesses who have spotted him on the scene. So, and he surrendered to police with a gun and tactical, you know, equipment. So, you know, grain of salt. Um, but he, there are folks who have said, look, this was a, a white guy who came from like three hours away in rural New York out here to Buffalo, that, that this was not somebody from our community, that Buffalo did not do this to itself. And, um, and, and yes, that is true. And, and, but at the same time, there are other community leaders here who are saying, even though you know, we can say Buffalo didn't do this to ourselves and we can, you know, this is not gun violence in our community that we brought on ourselves. You know, I've talked to so many people here who have said gun violence is not uncommon in this community, um, especially among um, young black men. And, uh, you know, the reasons for that are because yeah. most violence is intracommunal. And uh, when folks have access to weapons and no economic opportunity and stifled educational opportunity, I mean, like, this is the story of urban carnage across the country after yeah. generations of discrimination. Um, but 
there are folks saying even though Buffalo didn't do this to itself, it lays bare a lot of the structural inequalities that are going on here. And Mm -hmm. I think the first step that we're hearing from folks going forward is, hey, why don't we get another grocery store in this part of the city in the next six months? So it's not a food desert. So people have options. So there's another pharmacy um, so that we have more nutritious fruits and vegetables to give to our families, to our kids. Uh, And so, you know, aside from the legal consequences and and, uh, this suspect is going to be arraigned on Thursday and the president visiting tomorrow. Yeah, that's kind of from a community perspective where things are headed. Uh, So, Jacob, we we need to take a pause here, but we really appreciate you being here and for the work you're doing there on the ground. That was Jacob Bogage for The Washington Post. Thanks again. And we hope to have you back as you continue to cover this. Thanks, guys. All right, what's coming up next, Ryan? Well, um, speaking of the online manifesto that uh, Jacob just mentioned, he actually endorsed the the shooter, endorsed a great replacement theory. Are conservative media outlets like Fox News to blame? Well, we'll continue our conversation with The Washington Post after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The suspect in Saturday's killing of 10 people at a Buffalo supermarket allegedly wrote a document endorsing a great replacement theory. It's actually a main talking point on Fox News. Here is Tucker Carlson pushing this theory all in one place. It's a compilation video. Take a listen. Now, I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement, if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots, with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it. That's mm. true. Let's say that again for emphasis, because it is the secret to the entire immigration debate. Demographic change is the key to the Democratic Party's political ambitions. In other words, you're being replaced. Mm. So how did this become such a main talking point for conservative media outlets? Well, let's bring in someone who wrote about it. Uh, media reporter Paul Afari from The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for inviting <laughs> Sorry, me. Sorry, you got distracted by yeah. his madness. <laughs> Sorry for traumatizing you with uh, Tucker, but I, you wrote an article about this and in, in the ways that this great replacement theory has really um, become a huge talking point in conservative media. I guess historically, this isn't the first time we've heard about this, right? This is a talking point we've seen politically when it, it ties into race conversations as well, correct? That, that, that's right. It actually goes back quite a number of decades uh, to uh, Southern racists who were afraid of uh, black immigration or black voting rights. And uh, they uh, utilize this notion of they're here to replace us, uh, to replace us politically as well as economically. And in more recent times, in the darker corners of the Internet, it has become adopted and adapted by white uh, supremacists and mainstreamed then by the likes of Tucker Carlson, Fox News, uh, Ann Coulter, Rush Limbaugh, etc. So it, it uh, has gotten, I don't know if a veneer, veneer of respectability is saying too much about it, but it has nevertheless become part of the rhetoric used by uh, right-wing uh, commentators. So with the idea that this possibly inspired uh, this shooting... And murder. Do you think that there's going to be more done to call this out and call it out as very wrong and harmful? Yeah, I think that's the only thing we can do. I mean, it's impossible to stamp it out on the internet. Uh, it will uh, just take whatever form it takes on all these various right-wing um, white supremacist 
sites. Um, uh, perhaps shame will get Fox News to back off some of this rhetoric. I don't know. And, you know, the, the way in which it's cast by the likes of Tucker Carlson, he was very careful there not to say black people, not to say uh, Latino people. Uh, he said third world people, whatever that is supposed mm-hmm. to mean. Yeah. I think the code language is very important here to avoid the direct you know, accusation of, of racism, but it's ultimately racist. It's basically saying white people, you should worry because um, darker skinned people are coming to, quote unquote, replace you. Yeah, and I, I think for me, I wonder today, the press secretary, Kareem uh, Jean-Pierre, passed up an opportunity to call out Tucker Carlson for pushing this racist replacement theory. And I wonder why, I guess in, in some ways, we always see Democrats, you know, taking the higher... Um, the I guess, high road. yeah the high road in these moments. But when mm-hmm. are we going to see? Are, do you think we need to see Democratic leaders in this administration to really condemn these talking points? Um, because it just it will continue to go on. Yeah, I don't know why you would turn away from this right, left, or center. This is un-American. I mean, it's ultimately um, defies all of the principles on which this country was founded and which it supposedly stands for. So I don't think you really need to cast it in political terms. It's just a decent moral issue. Uh, We don't uh, demonize people as a result of their nations of origin, of their skin color, of their background. And Certainly for Democrats, um, it's an easy one because it's a way to point the finger across the aisle and say this is festering within the fringes of and maybe more so the mainstream of the Republican Party. Uh, So calling it out is about the only weapon that really exists right now. And do you think anyone at, at Fox will say anything? I mean, at this point is what Geraldo is the, the I think the only person I see calling out fellow hosts during uh, the broadcast, it seems, these days, which is strange. Yeah, you're right. He's about the only one um, trying to stand up for reason and sanity in some in some cases. Uh, No. uh, In in fact, yesterday, as I was doing the story, I contacted Fox's spokesperson and they really had nothing uh, to say about this. Uh, And frankly, it's an accusation against their most popular host, Tucker Carlson, but also against their other uh, hosts like Janine Pirro and Laura Ingram. And they basically said, um, you know, we don't encourage violence. We've spoken explicitly against violence. Um, That's not really the issue. This is, um, you know, rhetoric that might inflame violence, might incite violence. Uh, It isn't a direct call for violence. Um, and, And that's the other kind of weasel uh, way around this is that we're not calling for violence. We're just saying the demographics are working against, you know, white people. Um, uh, and you guys take it from here. And, and unfortunately, some kid in Buffalo took it from here yesterday or on Saturday. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. We really appreciated having you on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That was media reporter Paul Afarhi from The Washington Post. What's coming up next? Uh, well, next up, Melania Trump is speaking out, and it involves a second term. What? Oh. Next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. She talked about a possible second term. It's a bit clickbaity, but you'll see what I mean when you listen to it. I uh, enjoyed taking care of the White House. It was uh, my home for a while. I understood it, uh, it is a people's house, 
it was um, it was a privilege to live there. And maybe it'll be your home again. Uh, never say never. <laughs> never say never. Uh, never say never. That was never, Fox, never, never, Fox never, Nation's never. Pete Hegseth, who was interviewing Melania Trump. So, of course, this is, you know, fueling the fire, the fire of a Trump second term. Yeah, you know, when I saw this, I was just like, and then watching or hearing her talk a little bit, it's just like, <laughs> please, I do not need anything else traumatic or awful in, in this entire experience. Well, the thing is, Trump has hinted that he will be running for the presidency again There's in a possibility, for sure. There's most definitely a possibility, but... I don't think she's aware of any of his plans. It's not like she's probably the one that he's consulting or talking to because they're not, they're like fake married. I don't believe they're actually really married. <laughs> I wouldn't be like surprised. in a, a rope like yes, paperwork wise. <laughs> yeah, you think there's like deep intimacy for and romance? sure, but there's no like it's not like he's talking to her about his possible run over you know a nice steak dinner before you know. I wouldn't be surprised if he just talked her ear off over uh, over dinner all the time. Like, and she probably does know what's behind it. I mean, the thing is, on that side of things, they just rationalize and create excuses for everything and everything they're fighting for, right? Yeah, it's true. It's so, true, of course. Well, uh, that's their political stance. What I thought was most hilarious about the interview is when Melania Trump promotes her NFTs. Oh. I think that had to be the funniest part of Of course you of thought it. that was hilarious. I was just like, you know, recently someone asked me what celebrity is like doing it wrong or we, should we not be listening to when it comes to NFTs? You definitely probably don't want to listen to Melania Trump. Who knows? She might be the, the one. The next big entrepreneur. She's going to bring innovation to the second term of the White House. Yeah, don't be jealous. I'm, I'm not you jealous. You kind of jealous. You. And I will not be consulting with Melania Trump Sounds anytime like soon. Your NFT doesn't look as good as hers. I don't have one. <laughs> That is the that is the issue. That's the actual that we got to the plot. Exactly, everyone. you know, we this got... is all about my disdain for Melania Trump and her NFTs. Listen, I think it, it's all worrisome, and of course, I'm not surprised that this interviewer asked this. It's like the answer that we're all looking for, and you know what? Daily Mail and everyone else. Everyone else covered it. The headline was Melania Trump doesn't rule out a second term as first lady. Did she actually say that? I guess. We'll never really know, will we, until it actually happens. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, welcome back to the show. Uh, Shira here and Ryan back in studio. And we've got more music coming up right here on Channel Q. But right now, let's get into some more show. We've got Dr. Alfie, one of my favorite psychologists out there, joining us to discuss how to handle our communal trauma right now unfortunately when shootings happen that's in 30 minutes and some sad news for britney spears also that's in the t report in a moment but first let's get into some what's trending this hour senate majority leader chuck schumer after a series of mass shootings over the weekend brought that brought the number of u.s mass shootings to 198 so far this year shared this today these hard right MAGA republicans argue that people of color in minority communities are somehow posing a threat a threat to the American way of life. This is replacement theory in a nutshell. It is dangerous and a deeply anti-American worldview. It is poisoning minds, people's minds, who spend hours wandering the darkest wastelands of the Internet. And let's be clear, it's a message that has also found a special home in several right-wing outlets 
and on one cable news channel in particular, Fox News. In a craven quest for viewers... Meanwhile, Representative Liz Cheney, who is a Republican, uh, today accused House GOP leadership of enabling white supremacy and anti-Semitism, which she suggested has inspired people to act upon those threats leading to dangerous consequences. She tweeted, the House GOP leadership has enabled this. History has taught me or has taught us that what begins with words ends in far worse. GOP leaders must renounce and reject these views and those who hold them. And finally, some inspiring news. Uh, it seems like the oldest person alive celebrated her birthday this past week. Oh my goodness. Uh, Joanna Mazibuko reached the age of 128. She is my wow, hero. Wow, what? I said, you know, uh, 111, 128. You know, Honestly, one- at that point, I'd be, I would be ready to die. I don't know. She seems like, to be having fun. Like I said to you, I want to be one eleven. I'll do a one twenty one. No, for She's what? Inspiring. You wouldn't even like be able to like really do anything. She seems to be hanging. You know, she wears a cute little cap. Sure, there and, and no, I love you, but there's just no way that you're living past she, like she a hundred. No, one hundred eleven. Uh, she's from South Africa. She was born in 1894. She has lived through British colonialism, apartheid, and two world wars. This is just wild. Um, she says we lived so well on the farms, there were no problems. And she also says that what kept her living old, she goes, um, and what she eats daily, a, co- a combination of fresh milk and wild spinach has helped her live a long time. I guess. I mean, this is fascinating. That's too long. There's just no way. Why would anyone want to be around that She long? says she does eat modern food now, but she misses the simplicity of her childhood. Uh, and she struggles with her hearing, but is still independent enough to move around her house and people watch out the window. She often sits and recalls memories of her early life, and some years are easier to remember than others. Wow. I mean, she's wearing a crown. She is a queen. Joanna Mazibuko, happy birthday. Wow. 100 and something years old. She has 50 grandchildren. 128, you said. 128. I mean, girl, if wild. she don't hit 130, if she's still around at 130, I mean, somebody, we're going to have to take her down because she ain't going. That's horrible. I'm just saying. she. Somebody needs to, you know, sometimes you, you, you like, people are stubborn. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, people need, on. like, a little push. <laughs> I'm just evil. saying. All right, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Well, Britney Spears announced some really sad news. It's time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. Unfortunately, Britney Spears announced that she has lost her miracle baby. Uh, The singer announced in a joint statement with her fiancé via Instagram on Saturday that she suffered a miscarriage. Mm. She said this, um, it is with our deepest sadness we have to announce that we have lost our miracle baby early in the pregnancy. This is devastating. Uh, This is a devastating time for any parents. Perhaps we should have waited to announce until we were further along. However, we were overly excited to share the good news, which I think we all can, like, you know, understand. She is 40, and she probably was just like, oh, my God, this is meant to be with everything going on in our life. They did add that their love for each other is their strength right now. Mm. So they said, we will continue trying to expand our beautiful family. We are grateful for all of your support. We kindly ask for privacy during this difficult moment. So sad. Yeah, very sad. Very, very sad. But my thing is, it will happen when it's meant to happen. I, I think that's how she will continue to look at these things. And 
Um, I think, you know, Sam, I have some thoughts about Sam, but I think he'll be a good, you know, he'll be there for her in the ways that they both need. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, also, it's just sad when you hear this happen, and I can't imagine what that's like. And unfortunately, yeah, you just never know with these types of things. It's really difficult, but I'm happy she um, is sharing that with others as well to remind people they are not alone, those who deal with miscarriages. Yeah, and that is your tea report. We have more coming up next hour. Okay, well, coming up next, uh, stick around in uh, 20 minutes. We're going to be talking to Dr. Alfie from the Yakoma Project, uh, more around Mental Health Awareness Month, and also how we deal with everything happening right now in our world. So stick around for more Let's Go There and music, of course, after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Well, as we just mentioned, Representative Liz Cheney uh, spoke out today accusing House GOP leadership of a enabling and encouraging white supremacy and anti-Semitism. So how might this change the GOP narrative moving forward, or will it? Well, Drexel Hurd is back with us, Democratic strategist and the vice president of Strategies 360. Thanks for joining us again today. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Happy Monday. Right. Happy Monday. Although really unfortunate stuff that happened over the weekend, obviously, and it seems like you know, it's not surprising considering where we see things going, right? And and we're seeing the results of that play out in front of our very own eyes. So what do you think about Liz Cheney speaking out about this and will this make a difference? Well, I think that it's uh, unfortunate that Representative Cheney is the only person speaking out yeah. about this in the way that she is. Um, you know, she's also one of the only two or three Republicans on the January 6th committee uh, who want to uncover the truth about uh, what happened on, to our democracy, or at least the Capitol, certainly on January 6th. Uh, and she's been very um, uh, forthcoming about her positions uh, as it pertains to the leadership of the House minority. Uh, and so I don't think it's going to change the GOP position at all because they're just going to sweep it under the rug so they can protect their uh, members. Uh, and, you know, they have really pivoted. You can see uh, Elise Stepanak, who is the, uh, you know, who, who's in charge of the House uh, campaign arm, uh, really doubling down on, on the MAGA agenda, the Make America Great Again agenda, uh, which is the Trump agenda. And uh, we know what that base looks like. And we know that base looks like and votes like. Uh, the shooter from Buffalo yesterday, uh, who went after uh, you know black folks in Buffalo, and we and, and 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 that kind of thought process that we saw on Fox News, that we hear on Fox News, Tucker Carlson on the way down about replacement theory is real, and I think Liz Cheney, unfortunately, it might be the lone wolf on this one. Yeah, it, you know, it is also unfortunate <laughs> that, um, and I brought this up a little bit earlier in a different segment that we had. Dem- uh, the press secretary, Corrine, who I'm super excited she's starting her job today, but she actually took a moment to pass up the opportunity to call out, like, you know, Fox News journalist or what, commentator, whatever you want to call him, Tucker Carlson, on him pushing the great replacement theory. And I wonder, should we start seeing Democrats push a little harder, The you know, condemn things in ways that feel a little bit more stern? Um, where it doesn't really feel like we're always, I think we should take the high road, but where it doesn't really feel like we're just, you know, too nice. I do think Democrats have a way to to, to be like too nice and not stand firm in a lot of talking points when we need them to show up for black folks, particularly that make up a large part of their constituents when, when you think about it. How, how, I think, how should Democrats really handle this when it comes to black voters? Well, I think you, if you look at what Democrats are out there saying against their colleagues, like 
like I said, Representative Stefanak, uh, who just made comments right after the shooting about migrants. Uh, Democrats are calling out GOP leadership over their inaction, and we have continued to to um, call out uh, Republicans over their inaction on gun violence, on gun safety, uh, you know, over their theory, over this, uh, you know, replacement theory. Uh, but I think it does write a fine line of them going after Fox News as a um, as a journalistic entity, right? Mm-hmm. Because there is that kind of free speech kind of side to it. Uh, but Fox News has had their own issues with trying with having to label uh, their news as opinion. Uh, so there, there is something that Democrats can do, and they continue to do it occasionally uh, by pointing out that Fox News might not be the best place uh, for uh, for Americans to be looking to for their news. Yeah. And so I guess like, yeah, what will happen now with all of this? It, it seems like everyone just keeps speaking out, calling each other out, call each other forth. And yet we still end up with this result. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that, um, like I said, that it's going to move the needle too much. I think that Democrats are going to have to move and pivot to more gun safety measures uh, and putting up legislation that makes sense. Uh, but it's not something that they have not been doing for the last, since, 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 uh, since Parkland uh, and since uh, Sandy Hook. You know, Democrats have consistently put out uh, policy proposals and legislation to protect the American people, and Republicans refuse to do the same thing uh, while touting uh, law enforcement uh, as their. Uh, you, you cannot back the blue if 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 you cannot back communities because the the the, the law enforcement officers are the ones out there in those communities, uh, and the communities are the ones that are being shot up, uh, not only in Buffalo but uh, here in Orange. I mean, not here, yeah. but here in California in Orange County. Uh, and other places across the state. Well, yeah, Houston, all in the same everywhere. weekend. Everywhere. You know, it seems like it's it's a gun reform issue, but now it's getting, you know, more complicated. And these were always the issues. It involves racism. It involves uh, mental health. It involves access and equity. I mean, we're seeing everything unravel. But this isn't something that that, that has not been, look, the, the race part of it is something that we've known for yeah. decades, well over decades. The equity part of it, of course, you know, I think that what we saw in 2016 um, with uh, the, the ascension of kind of Donald Trump uh, was that feeling that people were being left out and being left behind. And that kind of put people in a really um, different mindset. And then we had a pandemic right after that, that people were fighting for their lives and not really getting and getting misinformation all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a lot of, of fear. Uh, which is where this guy in Buffalo, you know, went out there shooting black people because he must have felt, as Tucker Carlson and the rest of those <coughs> Fox News journalists said, uh, you know, that that if more migrants or more black, black and brown people came into these communities, that they would be left behind. And that is uh, what they're afraid of the most. Okay, well, uh, Drexel Hurd, thank you so much again for joining us for those insights. Uh, Drexel Hurd is a Democratic strategist and vice president of Strategies 360. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Always good to talk to you. Yes. And now what's coming up next, Ryan? Oh, well, we actually want to talk with Dr. Alfie, right? Yes. Dr. Alfie is really going to be here to help us unpack all of our emotions and feelings around everything that's going on in the state of the world, especially... 
um, if you are tired of people sharing and speaking about it, she actually put out a great message over the weekend um, about this. And yeah, she's going to join us up next. Don't go anywhere else. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, we are back. And unfortunately, a lot of us uh, trying to process what happened over the weekend. Several mass shootings uh, across the country including in Buffalo, New York, that was specifically targeted around the black community. And one of our favorite psychologists really speaks out about the subject and posted a video about this that really inspired this conversation. Uh, Do we have the video? Yeah, let's play a clip. Sunday nights, I stop by and say no more Sunday scaries. Tonight is different. I just heard about another shooting in Orange County, California. This is after the shooting in Buffalo, New York, which was after another shooting that I heard about in the last two days. So I want to say to all of you that these are trying times and I would not sit here and minimize and try to say anything different. So the only thing I want to say is that tonight, I hope that you will take a moment to take care of yourself, take a moment to recognize that for those of us who are of color and for many other people, these are unprecedented times that we're experiencing. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Take that moment. I hope you did last night and then really every day, right? Uh, Dr. Alfie joins us right now. That was the voice you were hearing. She's also the founder of the Acoma Project. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Of course. Always my pleasure to be here with you all. Yes. I mean, it's it's unfortunate when you need to shift, you know, even your social strategy schedule where you want to be there for people, helping them with the Sunday scaries. And yet we need to deal with this unprecedented moment that happens over the weekend. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's so many emotions that I have. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can't do much. But one of the things that I can do is let people know that, of course, as a black woman, you know, uh, and Ryan, as a, as a black person as well, that we are in a just a unique space. And but we have to keep going. And so while I may not be able to stop to do a whole bunch of things, I can stop and tell people I know exactly what you're feeling because I'm feeling it, too. And I just want you to know that I'm reflecting back to you the pain that we're all feeling. So that's what I can do. And that's what I try to do. Yeah, and I I appreciate that. Um, But I I did wonder, were you able to take a step back and do that for yourself and take a little bit of a moment um, and remind yourself that you don't have to to kind of be front-facing in the ways that you are? I know this is your job and what you do and you love it, but I wonder where's the space of taking care of yourself in these moments? Yeah, so uh, before I do that, I always take a step back and... I try to always, let me, let me tell the truth. I try to always take a step back. And I think with this one, what I did was, I'm, I can remember when it popped up on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was sitting in my living room and I just stopped, mm-hmm. right? Like whatever I was doing, I just stopped. And I didn't do anything until Sunday night. Um, you know what I mean? Like that was my time to stop. I have a, yo- a yoga mat. I'm actually sitting here looking at my yoga mat right now. And I put my feet on it because it grounds me and I'll sit on it when I need to. I have candles I'm looking at. I burn the candles, and I do. I've learned. I used to not, but now I take as much time as I possibly can because it's just too much. You know, this was was like, this was a bridge too far over the weekend. So, but thank you for reflecting that to me, Ryan, because it's important. Yeah. What advice do you give your clients right now, like people who see what's happening around the world? And I think it's just always the worry, and and we see this with young people um, and anyone who's in a, like a vulnerable community, 
where yes. it's like the worry that you could just step out in places that you feel are safe and it's not safe anymore. Yes, I tell them that their feelings are valid. Y'all know I always say yeah. some of the same things, but your feelings are valid. And so you have to honor your feelings in the moment and then you have to do whatever you need to do because for each of us, it's individualized. Some people need to go out for a run. Some people just need to sit and ball their eyes out. Yeah. Some people need to like get angry. You have to do what you know helps you and there's no one right way to do it. So that's what I tell people is you've got to be honest with your feelings. Don't pretend like this is not happening. And if you need to take a day off of work or school, then you need to figure out a way to do that because the world's going to keep going. One of the other things I said was it angered me how many of us had to keep showing up and do other things in the midst of this. And I let myself be angry and I put it out on Twitter. And so that's what I encourage people to do. Be honest with yourself. Yeah, being honest is so important. And I, I wonder how do you what advice would you lend to folks who aren't uh people of color are specifically black who are going into these spaces with other black folks and wanting to talk about this stuff. Right. And thinking that, I mean, guess not just truly not really reading the room. Mm. How can people read the room at this moment? Right. But you know what, Ryan, there's so many ways in which people don't read the room. I think people sometimes get stuck in their own anger. Mm. Um, Do you know what I mean about, maybe it's about something else. Maybe it's about that shooting in Milwaukee. Maybe it was about the shooting. I think it was in Georgia. And they can't be present for other people because they're so stuck in their own stuff. And I think you you use your, your body and you have to be self-aware enough to use yourself as a guide. No, you may not be able to read the room, but you certainly know how you're feeling. And so if you can pay attention to how you're feeling and just be a little teeny, teensy bit more attentive, you can understand and pick up on cues. But I think what a lot of people do is charge ahead and like, well, I want to help. So I'm going to ask you, how are you feeling in this moment? Yeah. Right. And when you get that snap back, that clap back, back up, sit down, right. And have several seats and leave it alone. That's what I tell people to do. Just be self-aware. Yeah. As someone who is in the mental health space and also touches on, I think, like public policy in some ways. Right. Like mm-hmm. you're what are you thinking right now in terms of how we start making some changes at that level? I think I'll tell you the cynical part of me as a black person thinks. Well, they certainly if they don't change gun control for anybody else. They're certainly not going to change gun control for black people because yeah. this. I mean, we're not the impetus. Right. So that's the, the black part of me being a person who's grown, born and raised in this country. The other part of me hopes that there's some somebody with enough humanity that says enough is enough. And yeah. 10 people this year versus nine, six years ago, whenever Dylan Roof was versus, you know, Sandy Hook and all these other things should be enough. So my hope is that people pay attention and start to enact change. But. I'm not holding my breath, unfortunately. Okay, again, uh, tell people a bit more about where you could, they could find your project, the Acoma Project. Um, it's online and also, I guess, at Dr. Alfie, right? Yes, at Dr. Alfie and at Acoma Project, A-A-K as in Kite, O-M-A, Project, all one word, across all socials. Amazing. You are incredible. You continue to inspire us. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Love Love. you guys. Yeah, love you too. All right. Well, uh, next up, we're getting into some light, a bit more lighthearted things. Okay. So we're going to get into SNL and their sketch on the Depp Herd trial. Did they really need to go there? I guess they did. I don't know. After this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So SNL this weekend decided to take a stab at making fun of the Depp Herd trial. But the question is, was it in bad taste? Take a listen. Your Honor, we've recently found surveillance footage of the House staff discovering the alleged fecal matter on Mr. Depp's bed. Oh, word? 
Objection. That still wouldn't prove my client is guilty of anything. That's true, but I'll allow it because it does sound fun, and this trial is for fun. <laughs> what? Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, Mr. Okay, so a lot of poop jokes there and, you know, uh, making fun of the whole circus of it. But, you know, uh, does that continue to feed into the circus of it? Or is this just all in good fun because it... it I don't like it, if I'm being quite honest. Yep. I think, yes, we can all agree that this trial and how it's been really publicly out there mm -hmm. has been wild, the details that have come out. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like... This is a domestic violence case in a lot of different ways from manipulation to gaslighting to physical and emotional abuse, verbal abuse, mm -hmm. even if it's not just on one side. Um, and there's a lot of conversations online, you know, saying like abuse can't. Uh, some people's thoughts, and I would love to know what your thoughts about this. Mm -hmm. I read something where a lot of people were saying abuse can't come from two people. It can only, it's a response from an, an other person who's experiencing abuse, which is really interesting. Um, I don't know how much I believe that because I do think at the end of the day, something can be toxic and I think it can come from both parties. And if yeah. things are blowing up, things are blowing up. But I do think that's interesting in, in the idea of that. Yeah, it's difficult. We don't. None of us will really know what happened, right? I mean, it seems we like do. yeah. It's well, on, well on. it seems like from what happened, there was uh, one person was physically abusive, very clearly, and there could have been some mental and emotional abuse from the other. So, you know, I, I think in this there was no right here, right? There's no person that's you know right, but you could say there's always that trigger like someone who trigger triggers an abuser is not the one at fault right so even if someone is like could be unstable or rude or annoying that is never an excuse for physical violence right yeah, you know like you can't yeah. rationalize that because, I just hate you know, because I think there's I think um, uh, publicly people have come out and... Um, and by the way, even if someone instigates it, you could say that's not still on them. In the end, the first person who, who um, you know, you would say in this, the legalities around physical abuse, right? It's illegal to hurt physically hurt someone. But I do think people have come out and, and believe, they're believing who they believe. Of course, yeah. And, all, and it seems like people are not in favor of Amber Heard, which is unfortunate. Um, in a lot of different ways because it, I feel like I we really have to have an interesting conversation about how misogyny plays in Oh, that. yeah. Um, but I, I just don't like that um, SNL could have chosen something different to, to create laughs over. It's an easy this target. Is, this it's a is low, a serious It's thing. easy target. It's a low-hanging fruit. Maybe they felt because they do touch on popular culture, this is part of that. It, it would almost, almost be weird. Why. It'd be weird for them not to do it. I can see why they thought that, but it doesn't mean it was in good taste. Yeah, because then... It becomes like, oh, yeah, these are things to make fun of. You know, if you are someone that is crying out for help, um, no matter how people perceive your relationship, that it's not necessarily something to laugh at. So you maybe they maybe they could have found some Food different for stuff. Food for different stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, next up, uh, some good news. A UK soccer star has come out. We love that. We're celebrating that and more next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It's AAPI Heritage Month and... As always, we want to highlight leaders, organizations, and the issues we need to pay attention to, which we typically do day-to-day -day here on Let's Go There. Uh, but this was an article that came up that I found really interesting to talk about, about the growing number of Asian Americans who are 
quote unquote, staking their claim to the great outdoors. Now, according to this article on NBC News, rates of Asian Americans camping and visiting national parks are on the rise, which is great. But still, most of the country's outdoor spaces remain overwhelmingly white. And here to share more is Victoria Namkang, who wrote this article. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So why was this an important issue for you to highlight? Well, I grew up in Southern California where we're lucky, you know, to get outdoors year-round. And in 2020, I went to Big Sur, much like many people did, you know, Mm -hmm. with the pandemic, being cooped up at home. And while I was in Big Sur for like two, three nights, I just, I never saw one other Asian person the whole time I was there. And that didn't make sense to me because Big Sur is not that far from San Francisco, which has one of the biggest Asian American populations in the country. So I just wanted to dig in a little more. And so I kind of had this story in mind for a couple years, but it finally got written and published. Yeah, and I think it's so important to talk about this disconnect when it comes to communities of color and their relationships with being outdoors are their relationships in spaces that there aren't many of what what did you find in your reporting when there with enthusiasts of color were experiencing through this process of them trying to take up space in these you know outdoor activities yeah i mean i think there's various factors i talked to a bunch of different outdoor loving asians as they call themselves Um, And also, you know, if you look at other communities of color, I mean, this is a huge historical issue where there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on with outdoor spaces. You know, like we all think, oh, the the parks and beaches, like they belong to everyone. But, Mm -hmm. you know, historically, a lot of groups don't feel welcome in these spaces. And it could be anything from bird watching, which seems so innocent. Um, It could be surfing, hiking, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, there's there's just so many different factors going on, but the pandemic is what really drove Asian Americans to get outside because it was one of the few safe activities. So I think that's why you see the higher rates um, of camping and, and visiting national parks. But then, as I'm sure you guys know, there's also this huge wave of anti-Asian hate and mm-hmm. violence the last few years. So I think for some people, nature can kind of serve as that, like, you know, place you go when you're anxious or you just need to, like, get away from the stress of daily life. But still, it, it can be scary if you're alone there and you think of, like, who's here if I needed help? And if you don't feel like there's others like you or, you know, you, and you talked about the language barriers of it, but beyond the accessibility, that could be a factor as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, you know, I've been fortunate not to have any negative experiences outdoors But I know a lot of people have had, like, slurs hurled at them or they've been kind of even told, like, go back to China or something like that, even if they're from the U.S. And so that's obviously not a comforting thing. You know, like you said, if you get stranded at the top of a mountain or you're by yourself at a beach, you know, where you're a mile from your car or something like that. And some of these anti-Asian incidents happened in public parks. Yeah. Um, You know, so, yeah, I think... You know, on the one hand, like my reporting showed me that a lot of people are finding this empowerment in getting outside, but then a lot of people are still experiencing racism and just like what we call like microaggressions, things that maybe aren't assault or anything, but they still, you know, can be hurtful. Yeah, well, I think the really inspiring thing that I saw from your article was Outdoor Asian. It's a community um, and here in L.A., it has a chapter that's grown over to 400 members. Clearly, there is community to be found, right? Absolutely. And I think 
social media gives us that power because, you know, when I was young growing up in Southern California, there were tons of Asian people I knew who liked to do outdoorsy things, but maybe they didn't have a way to find other people like them or from their own community. So now with Outdoor Asian, which has chapters across the U.S., um, the L.A. chapter, like they had this really fun bouldering and boba event and you got like a free boba at the end of your rock climbing adventure and I just thought that was so fun and like there's so much um, power in numbers and so you know maybe it's like a sense of reclamation for people who maybe were feeling scared about this wave of racism and hate at the community but then to go on a hike with like 40 people who look like you you know, I imagine that's a really empowering thing. I told them I might try to join them on a future hike. That's so um, nice. But yeah, I think these, like, the founders of Outdoor Asian are younger. They're like millennials and Gen Z. And I think these younger generations just aren't going to stand for what previous generations, you know, had to put up with. So they're really taking the power themselves and just, like, starting spaces where they don't exist. Definitely. And hopefully the Department of the Interior, as you mentioned in your article, their equity action plan could help too. Well, thank you so much for being here and for writing about this. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for highlighting my work. Yeah, that was Victoria Nemkung from NBC News. Check out her article out now. We'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Oh my God, I love advice columns. Yes, they bring so it. wonderful because people love to just put their business out there. So strange. Like we asked, but I guess they're asking for advice. Either way, uh, this one comes from Slate.com. And they said, I've been dating my boyfriend for nine months. He's kind of gentle and thoughtful. But last week, I had an experience that has given me pause. Mm. My apartment building has been hit by burglars several times over the past month. Last week, my boyfriend and I came home and were surprised by a burglar coming out of my apartment door. My boyfriend confronted him, and the burglar charged at him whether to push past or attack. It's hard to say. My boyfriend quickly subdued the burglar and told me to call 911. Well... Here's where it gets disturbing, because you're probably like, well, okay, this is fine. Mm-hmm. He said this. He very calmly told the burglar, now it's time for you to learn your lesson. And he proceeded to mean? beat the man unconscious, oh deaf to my protest that he should stop. My boyfriend handled the police. I didn't contradict him such that they were ready to pin him a, a pin a medal on him. The burglar left in an ambulance. My boyfriend's capacity for violence came as a total and disturbing surprise, even more for the fact that he was not in a rage. It was deliberate and methodical, but I'm not sure how to raise my concerns with him. It would come off as a cheeky caviling to just basically say, I don't like the way you defended me and, and my property from a criminal. How can I talk about this with him? Am I wrong to find this scary and worrisome? Hell no, you're not. The fact that you probably saw him have like a creepy like grin before he started beating the crap out of this burglar means he could do the same to you. Oh. No, I, I think just, that I there's think... something that comes out when you're like no. in protection mode. That's maybe, not okay though. But, uh, well, maybe he was worried that the burglar That's had scary. a weapon or whatever. Yeah, it is scary. I'd be freaked out if I saw my boyfriend suddenly like fall into this like crazy psycho violent person that's not you okay know? i feel like i would be actually quite worried because it's like you're meeting a completely different person yeah totally. and that's not a protect being a protective is not like in that way is just not he could have just pinned him down he already had a, he already had control of the guy they could have just held him there until the police came but instead he was like 
you need now. It's time for you to learn your lesson. Oh, that, like that's the weird what part. There's a difference between like, uh, like making sure he's nailed down. You know, uh, I don't know what happened between like if there was some sort of fear of some violence happening on that person's end, but. Um, I could see, this is the weird part, I could see, this is a very toxic masculine thing, like guys that don't take out their energy in any way and then out of nowhere, like flipping that switch and freaking the F out. Like, I feel like I've seen those people maybe in movies or whatever. I just saw you do it. You just got, it went into a mode that I did not recognize while you were talking about this. (laughs) She was like, I'm not a violent person, but what, but I mean, I could see it being very scary in that mode. everyone has that inside of them. If you're trying to protect yourself and you're scared of someone like killing you, probably. Yeah. Like I've I've heard of people, you know, getting attacked or this or that or like um, where people come up, you know, behind you or yeah. what's it called, like a gunpoint. And I just can't imagine how it would feel in that moment. Right. And so like I could see something happening in that moment if you are trying to protect yourself and your loved one. That said, it doesn't mean like that was like in hindsight the best way to handle it. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can see the protection angle of it, but I think it's different when you it's it's like, yeah, I get the protection, but it's also different when you realize that this person like they completely like checked out. Totally. The, the psycho disassociation like, is if you weird. Like, stopped hitting him and like maybe hit him twice just to knock him out. So it's easier to t- like pin him down. But, like, the fact that he kept going and it was kind of like, that's scary. Like, girl, you need to run away from this person because you're going to be next. The, you're going to be the next person chopped up in his refrigerator. Oh, God. That's a bit extreme. This no, is a traumatizing not. moment. I hope no, they get it's therapy. Not. It's not a bit extreme. Like, couple that's therapy. why you're going to be the next person chopped up oh in somebody's my God. refrigerator. I'm just saying. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It seems like the power pose from the likes of Elon Musk and even Beyonce. Oh my God, this, these two names are in the same headline. I'm sorry, Ryan. Uh, they both use the power pose and it seems like according to science, it actually makes you behave more confidently. Can you believe it? What's the power pose? The power pose is where you, the wide-legged chest out pose where you know you put your, your hands on your hips and you're like standing straight up, chest out. Like Superman? Yeah, kind of like that superhero pose. Uh, so researchers an- an- sorry analyzed 130 previous studies involving 10,000 participants, and they confirmed that power posing really does boost your confidence. Okay, I love that. I mean, realistically, you probably can't do that it's, it's without like, having tons of tons of money to also make no, you feel wait. like. But it's also about just taking up space. Um, there's like they said, a low power pose would be crossing your legs and folding your arms while standing, or bowing your head and putting your hands on your lap while seated. I do a bunch of that. So maybe that is a low power pose. Oh, although a I lot mean, of times I'm doing it also because I'm just like a feeling a bit bloated and I'm just like holding my stomach. Like maybe <laughs> I didn't like have a whole stylist and and crew to like set me up and deck me out. Maybe I'm not feeling as confident. Yeah, it's true. I'm not feeling as confident that day. But I do take notice. Do you ever do this when you're talking to someone? And do you ever notice like how your hands are, how you're holding yourself in that moment? Sometimes I'll notice like, yeah, I am crossing my arms and I realize like, oh, that's probably not welcoming. And it's also a bit of a. Oh, no, I never think. Well, because yeah. I'm const- if I'm being honest, if there's a reflection nearby, I'm constantly kind of checking out to make sure like. <laughs> 
there's nothing going on. Like, if my, there's not, you know, I would be, hate to be embarrassed if there's, like, sleep in your eye or there's, like, a crust on the side of your mouth. So you have to kind of do, like, a glance at whatever reflections nearby so you can be like, oh, okay, all good. And then you can connect back into the, I can't be the only one who does that. That feels, like, pretty normal. Yeah, I mean, looking at yourself, that could be uh, a bit distracting, right? You're not doing it the entire time. Oh, just a little bits, you know, but then, it, you know, it could force you not to be present. I try to when I'm in front of a, a mirror not to do that. I'll I'll take a, a quick look, but then I will stop doing it. But I've definitely noticed moments. Yeah. When I have my arms crossed or this is one to take notice of you're clenching your hands. Why would like, you do that? I don't know. Sometimes you're um, you're standing and you realize like, oh, your hands are like clenched or when you're sitting, your hands are clenched. I mean, or when you, you're you sitting and your foot keeps moving, nervous habit. Things to be aware of that doesn't necessarily show that you're confident. You know what, Shira? No. <laughs> actually, yes, according to science, they're saying this is it. And they actually have like different, there's even a TED Talk on it. So if you want to know just if because, you're striking the oh, right power pose, go to this so TED just Talk. Because there's a TED Talk on it just means that it's like basically the Ten Commandments. And it's cemented into like oh life. Oh my God. Yeah, they list several poses to use in the workplace to give you con- confidence. I can't even go through this because we're out of time. But go check out this professor, Amy Cuddy, and her TED Talk about the rise of the power pose. And just be aware of how you're uh, standing next time and, and take it on your pose in front of others. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.